that were grafted in us and it's able to save our souls, heal our bodies, renew our minds, set us on a new course of blessing and worship in you. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. <clears throat> so, we were talking about wilderness prayer yesterday. And uh, we we talked about it not just being a prayer or a time of prayer, but really uh, uh, a lifestyle. Prayer really uh, uh, implies that we are... Uh, connected with God in some way. Uh, this wilderness provides a connection that is void of human distraction and influence and the influence of any other thing that might arise to keep us from that place in God where we need to be so that we can uh, um, have that fellowship with him. We can have that a life-changing experience um, and they're so so very important every uh, interaction we have with God is life-changing is potentially life-changing uh, it can be a permanent change if we will accept it as such uh, sometimes we'll have interactions with God and he'll tell us to do certain things or he'll start to help us with certain things or reveal certain things to us and we think it's just for a season and then we can go back to what we like to do you know, kind of like in the flesh. and But if we think about it, God is training us for obedience to him in a family way. So when you're adopted into a family, God then begins to train you to obey the rules of the family. There are certain expectations in that family <clears throat> that are made of you. And there are certain rewards and benefits. There's an inheritance in that family for you as well. The people of God or, or local congregations are thought of as small families, Christian communities where you are adopted and grafted in and you have a place there. You have a part in the ministry that goes on at that place. I know many times people don't want that. They kind of want to stand aloof from things, you know, and, and don't really enter in and not really let themselves get grafted in and accept their place and become a part of things. But then there's the thing of, you know, not wanting to be left out. I think God grabs some people that way because some people are kind of a little extra sensitive to rejection and they feel like if I'm not doing what everybody else is doing I'm you know not a part of things and so he has his way of getting the hook into everybody's jaw but I think he wants us to understand that he is our father and he uh has our best interest at heart when he plans something for our lives it is for our good 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 it is never for the bad and so knowing that we can submit to these things knowing that it's going to work out for our good we can deny <clears throat> ourselves certain types of of uh, you know fleshly uh, luxuries and considerations and all that kind of stuff because we know that it's going to work together for our ultimate good so the wilderness really is a uh, if you can talk about it, it it was a place for Jesus it was also a place for John the Baptist and we'll talk a little bit about him what the what the wilderness did in his life but it's also a lifestyle that we are called to as Christians it's a lifestyle of separation from all human input into our interaction with the father that's your wilderness where there are certain things that God has revealed to 
about himself to you and you understand those things and nobody can tell you anything different so it's a relationship and oftentimes likened to a marriage because if you are are married to someone you shut your your ears to any kind of gossip that somebody would bring you about that person you know that's it's it's there's an intimacy there that you don't share with anybody else you don't share details about that person's life with other individuals there's a respect there for the things that are shared in that solitary place and so i think it's it's very much like that in fact the wilderness can represent our honeymoon with God how many of you remember when you first got saved you were a nut for Jesus you know you nobody could tell you anything oh I've had this experience with God he did this for me and that for me and that for me and I found out that I was a sinner and I wasn't saved and I confessed Christ and I got saved and we tell that to everybody and it's kind of like uh, the rejoicing uh, of the bride and the bridegroom it's an announcement it's a marriage announcement that we are making and we want the world to know about this wonderful wonderful God that we have come into contact with in this wilderness or honeymoon place it's also a proving ground for us who do you love hmm? the honeymoon will you know it, people who are, are looking for who get bored on a honeymoon something wrong with them they either didn't want to get married shouldn't have gotten married married the wrong person married for the wrong reasons but there's something wrong if your attention is so easily diverted from the object of your affection there's something wrong there are proving and, and, and we are proving to God that we are devoted to him during this time so not only can't you have all the stuff you want to have and all the freedom you want to have you got restrictions but you've also got to work out this relationship and it's a new relationship you don't know if <clears throat> you can trust not doing certain things and it's going to pay off for you can I can I not do this can I not have this right now and can I not uh, you know all the knots come up in the wilderness because they're not available to you it's not hot and cold running anything in these wilderness experiences they are restricted and we are restrained I think the place of the wilderness is the place of the vow to the one to whom you are betrothed when you're alone with God and you're pouring your heart out to him you can make all kinds of promises out of love and devotion that you wouldn't make if your your you know your peeps was around you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> in the secret place we all love the Lord with all of our hearts. We'll all do anything that we he tells us to do. You know, when you get to, to that deep place of devotion in God, that's the time when your heart is poured out, not just in in how you feel and how you think and the things that you think are wrong with you and you know, how could you love me with my hair looking like this or my hair on the dresser or my <laughs> hair in the my hair in the bottom drawer, you know, wherever we put it. Wherever we put it. You understand what I'm saying? Or the guys, how can you love me? And, uh, you know, I don't have my six pack anymore. And 
Well, that thing that you called the six wasn't really. The truth was told. Or they don't have my washboard. We never wash no clothes on that thing that you knew. Washboard abs, you never ran up in here. That's, I ain't seen no washboard. You know what I'm saying. And so we get beyond confessing our our absurd faults and shortcomings, our shame comes you know what I'm saying. When when you're alone with somebody, your shame starts to get expressed. The things that you know uh you don't want to share, you don't want to reveal, the the intimate things, they get revealed. You know, everything's naked and open and but not only that, then your heart what's in the what's really in your heart starts to get expressed. You know how sometimes we love people but we don't want to say it all the time just because. You know people like to keep some things to themselves or they don't want to reveal too much because self-revelation always makes you vulnerable. There's always the fear that somebody's going to share it beyond where it's been shared or it might come back to you in a negative way, in a moment of anger or something like that. And so we like to keep secret things secret. And so during these wilderness times though, because everything's kind of restricted and hindered and we must focus on God, if we're going to survive, you got to keep your focus the right way, then we will begin to pour out of our hearts how we really feel about the Lord the truth and sometimes it shocks us what we say and what we can commit to the Lord in those times where we really are are responding to God in a, in a deep way and so those times are very very important to the Lord as well because those are the times when people begin to uh, um, share uh, their commitment to God and that's when he has faith to operate the rest of our lives on see that has to be expressed like for instance David when he was taking care of sheep uh, you know all of the psalms that he wrote were songs he wrote to God in the solitary place you know there he is no humans around nothing but a bunch of noisy sheep and when he could get everything quieted down that was his time to draw into the Lord and so God began to reveal certain things to David he began to reveal wisdom to him he began to reveal how he would he would fight for him you know David you're bored taking care of the sheep turn them over to me Amen. I am your shepherd as well as their shepherd. And I'll lead you all. And when the enemy comes to attack you, I'll give you superhuman strength that you can fight it off with. And so these are the things that we need to keep in mind are part of our wilderness training. That if we will stay in that place of trusting God and putting him first and accepting where he has us you just all you have to do is embrace it and accept it and not fight it <clears throat> as I said if it doesn't rebuke immediately it's not the devil it's God creating a place for you a wilderness for you where he can come and visit you and you can learn to trust him and to be totally dependent upon him so ours is our lifestyle of separation from all human input in our interaction with the father and with others to a large degree how you treat other people comes not from people but it comes from God see I'm commanded by him to love you 
which supersedes any other demand you might put on our relationship. But people don't like this. They don't like that you can't be moved in certain things by their emotionalism. Huh? And as believers, we need to get off the emotional trip with people anyway. You need to leave that that land a long time ago. Amen. Of making demands based on some type of emotionalism or some type of of uh, what you feel is a shortcoming in that person. Like for instance, married people drive each other to divorce court like this. Well, you need to do this more and you need to do that more. No, you need to go somewhere and find God. See, because if we fill up, plug up that hole with more of God, then you could make normal demands on the person you're married to. See, they'll start complying with yesterday's, uh, you know, meltdown. And then you don't want that anymore 10 days later. You understand what I'm saying? It's the way it is. And so the best thing to do is get your cues from God. He commands you to love everybody, to treat everybody with respect, to treat everybody with kindness, to treat all of those. And when you mess up, if you're in a bad mood and they catch you wrong, which everybody does, I don't understand why some people think they're the ones that judge everybody else's wrong and they never do anything. You understand me? It's just so twisted. And see, all of this has to be forgiven if we're going to be right with God. And so we have to understand how to stay right with God first. And out of what he deposits in us, then we have an overflow for humanity. Many times people cannot get it right with people because they don't have enough from God to be able to live this life the right way. So what do they do? They go into a situation and try to keep control themselves and try to put on a fake kind of love or put on a fake kind of niceness or put a fake kind of stuff on. We did that for years. When are we going to get into the real stuff? The stuff that sustains us and can bring life to somebody else. When are we going to tap into that? And so then the wilderness is where we take on that character of God. So we have that deposit in us. So that when we go back out again to face the normal uh, you know, stresses of life and demands of life. Then we have a, a, a reserve fruit of the spirit to draw from. For that difficult job or that difficult boss or that difficult child or that difficult whatever, difficult marriage, whatever your situation is, we have a reserve to draw from because we've spent adequate time in the wilderness with the things of God. I was listening to a person saying something that I thought was just wrong thinking. Still is wrong thinking. And you'll find out if it's right or it's wrong by the kind of fruit that it brings forth. But, and I've, I've, seen people do this that that's kind of like a misgiving and and uh you know you and this is this is the the albatross around the neck of many ministers that the devil hangs around your neck and that is i spent so much time doing things for god i neglected my family well there's a contradiction in terms there because when god calls you he takes into account your family he takes into account your family he takes into account your family 
There's no such thing as family first, church second. Don't get, don't get twisted like that. Whatever's first for your day, God will tell you to do it in that day. We're not little robots that we program ourselves and we go around. God first, family second. I mean, family first, God second. Ministry last. Oh, come on now. Don't you? You got more relationship with the Father than that. God thinks better than that. God knows that when there's a crisis in your home, to tell you to go home and take care of that thing and get off the road and don't worry about lack of money or if you have relationship with Him. See, they don't understand the relationship with God has slipped in some way. If now you're allowing human beings to dictate to you how to spend your life in God. You see, the devil still won. The devil still won. I see this, you know, for some reason women don't have this problem when they're in ministry. Now, we trust God. We've had to trust him so that Bubba won't swing from the chandeliers every time you come in from preaching. See, we've been through that. You know, I've had a husband threaten to leave me if I go one more time to do something. I just look at him. I say, well, you know, <laughs> I would love to stay here and talk with you, but I got to go. Got something on my plate. You got me? And you got to just stare the devil down and let God convince these people that their manipulation is not going to change you. And your relationship with God is not a threat to who they are. But you got to let God do that. You can't stand there and, well, see, well, baby, you know, baby. Mm. All your well babies will get you in more trouble with man and with God. And you won't be able to perform. How dare a person demand of another person something that they don't want to give? Or that they're not free to give. Well you don't neglect your family. Listen. They are not neglected. These are you talking about grown people. Who can get up and cook. And get in your face. And do everything else they want to do. And you think because I go off and serve God for two hours. That's neglect. The small amount of time it takes out of your week. To go to a, a church service. And all of a sudden, you're neglecting your family if you do that. I would say, them rebels ain't home no way. Bunch of trespassers, passers, miscreants, malefactors, and ne'er-do-wells. And if they mess with me, I will blast my messages much louder in the house. It's <laughs> my problem. I ain't playing them loud enough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there are certain things that you don't let man enter into that have been established for you in the secret place. I've seen <clears throat> ministers that have children that, you know, uh, maybe commit suicide or just don't come to a good end or something in their lives and they blame themselves. Guilty. Because I, maybe I should have done this. Or maybe I should have done that. Maybe I should have done. Well and do you know if doing that would have made a difference. We'll never know that. See we'll never know that. And many times God will call people home. Because their rebellion has kept them at a distance from him. See we forget the human factor. 
where a person, you know, a child of yours can be raised as best you know how in the good things of God and they still make their decisions to go in a different direction. And so we have to understand that God is in control of all of these things. And you're not God. But what you need to focus on protecting is that relationship with God. And if the devil can get under your skin and pry you loose from devotion to God and being answerable only to him in certain things, then he's set you up for a big disappointment and a big failure. You'll be always under the control of the enemy and always under the control of of, uh, spiritual forces that want to disturb this relationship. Why does the enemy want to disturb this relationship? Where there's certain things that you gain from being in the wilderness. It's a gain for you. It's not a loss for you. And we need to be taking notes so we're not reclining and sleeping. So praise the Lord. You know we need to stay awake and attentive. Praise God. Find you some paper. Find you a pen. If you don't have a pen I got a pen for you. So that you can do your Get yourself awake, you know. This is, I mean, it's only a couple hours a week. What do you got? One hour, hour and a half that we sit under the word. You need this word, you know. You can't uh, can't go to sleep on this. You need it before you get out of here before the day's over. Real good. <laughs> I always need it. So this place in the wilderness, <clears throat> we said, is like a honeymoon. A proving ground. Can you stay attentive to the Lord? Can you wait on him patiently? All of these things are important. Because it works something in you that the enemy can't work out. That's right. See? Because the enemy likes to get us under pressure. Uh, so that we move suddenly. And we move uh, abruptly. We get impatient. We make a bad decision based on our uh, lack of of patience and lack of exercising the fruit of patience and letting that sustain us rather than always having to have something to do or have to have some company or have somebody around you know that's so lame for the believer because you have so much company in God <clears throat> and if you will learn to appreciate that and to to live in the joy of that relationship and the fullness of that relationship then anything else you have will be like an add to it'll be added to to your relationship that's already established so our proving ground can we stay there without murmuring grumbling complaining too much when you when you complain just tell God you're sorry you know and get yourself back in the right frame of mind Yep, and uh, just continue to to trust God in these things. Israel, we know, was in the wilderness 40 years. The wilderness duration depends on your cooperation with God. How well are you cooperating? And the wilderness also sustained them for the time that they were there. If they had focused like... Caleb and Joshua and Moses, they're probably only three people that we have evidence that focused on the one that they loved, which was the Lord. If they had done that, they would have come out a lot uh, sooner. Um, they would have taken the, the journey uh, under God's power and been empowered for what they needed to come out. <clears throat> 
what they needed was the strength to fight the good fight of faith that's what comes out of this wilderness experience you become empowered to fight the fight of faith because something else more challenging is going to come into your life and so when when Joshua and Caleb came out Caleb said give me this mountain I'm just as able to take it as I was 40 years ago when it was first promised to me and so that word that he believed sustained him through the wilderness and he kept the vision for his victory in coming out as well <coughs> John the Baptist was also in a place of dedication in the wilderness if you turn to Matthew chapter 3 I'm going to keep my thing in Luke chapter 4 and turn to Matthew 3 for a minute verse 1 in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is in hand so there are several things that happened to John while he was in the wilderness it appears that he was trained for his ministry there's no training without wilderness experience there's, there's got to be a defocus and a de-emphasis that's why uh, some of our best work for God is done is when we're new believers because he secludes us from those people remember the people you used to run with and smoke dope with and drink and cuss with and all that stuff and they evaporated off the face of the earth so he helps us greatly when we're first saved he like adopts us brings us into his bosom treats us like his very own it's a very controlled by God situation you know uh, for some of us it, it can be prolonged you know when I was uh, I was saved because I had a nervous breakdown it took me five years at home to recover you see so in that five-year period God did a lot of things in me that he would not have been able to do had I been free to roam around do what I wanted to do etc etc I was I was kind of shackled because I was limited in in what I was able to accomplish in my own strength because there was none there he got me there was just zero and so when when we find ourselves in places like that we need to know that if God can work with you in those places he can put a foundation there that cannot be shaken and I think that's typical of how prophets are raised or used to be they're kind of spoiled nowadays because you know the title when they hang that title on people not familiar with it you know it kind of opens doors for them but it's cause so everybody grabs the title now but there are true prophets who are raised like John the Baptist was he just was out there in the wilderness and he loved God he learned from God and, and was taught of God there and he, he began to, and he received his message that he that's what you do too in the wilderness as a believer or if you call to the fivefold you receive your message to the body of Christ there and you'll find that it never changes throughout your life if you stay true to it and so his message was developed as he was in the wilderness because when he emerged from there he began to preach the kingdom of heaven and he says for this is that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah verse 3 saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight 
So wilderness straightens you out to the degree that you know straight when you see straight and you know crooked when you see crooked. See, you're no longer a child tossed to and fro by every wind and every wave of doctrine. Got to be nice to everybody or you got to be mean to everybody. You know, people take up both both sides. And so it says, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. The same John had his, his uh, uh, clothing of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loin. And his meat was locusts and wild honey. Now, your dress separates you. Your food separates you. Your manner of living separates you from God. As I have a trouble with, with Christians that like to dress like the world still. You see, it's, it's something is not quite right. They don't know how to let that go and let the light of Christ totally shine through. It's a compromise. It's always something that's got to look a little bit. I don't want to look like them Christians. Over it's a it's a it's a non acceptance of who you are deep down inside. It's you know it's like you know it, it was like when I was was a young Christian I decided certain things as I would observe them and watch them and see how people responded to certain things and I would talk to God about them and and so as a new Christian how I was going to dress and represent God was already decided so it didn't depend on if I got made a lot of money later on from my preaching and could afford better clothes it was always set so it's more money to buy fancier clothes more worldly looking stuff this just never bugged me because I'd already set that up between me and God how I felt I should represent him and he was okay with that see he sanctioned that and that's never changed you can't change. You can't like watch somebody else and how they look in the pulpit and decide you want to look like that once God's anointed you. Amen. You've got to make those decisions real early as a Christian and, and carry that through. I see so many people change the more that stuff they get from God. You don't even know what they look like anymore. You know, they only resemble the, the person that they started out being. And, and you wonder what gets into them that makes them feel that now appearance is so important. When before it was just God, I just love you. I want to do anything you want me to do. Uh, please, you know, if you can give me, uh, increase my numbers by uh, five or six people, I'd be happy. I'd be happy if you could fill up every seat. I'd be happy. You understand what I'm saying? It changes it, somehow that wilderness experience experience that that cost you so dearly back then is now cheapened by what you've traded off your vows to God for see there they've been cheap that somehow you've made that honeymoon cheap by following another you see you're following the crowd now you're trying to keep up with so and so and such and such that you see not as a family member and a brother and a sister and a co-laborer in the same gospel. But now you see them as your competition. Because they're pulling the kinds of people you want to preach. And now you've got to get up there like they are. So that people can give you what you think they are giving them. Etc. Etc. And so that honeymoon should never be cheapened. You should never veer from the initial vow that you made to God from a pure heart. 
God, I'm going to, if you're in music, I'm going to make music, Lord, that you give me from heaven. And I'm not going to just try and pump out a bunch of songs because I've signed a contract with somebody and they're making demands on me. Because they sign contracts with several people. And you'll find yourself having to work with this person and you're not sure God put you together. And you can't quite get the groove with them. And that, that project failed because, you know, I couldn't quite work that out. Same thing with ministers. You know, we get sucked in. We want to have the the next hot person that everybody's asking for. Who is that person that's going to make me whatever, whatever. And they never show up. Because I'm here to tell you, if God has not made you by now, it's like the mafia people. You know, everybody wants to get made. Hmm? Once you're made, you know, nobody can take a hit or a contract out on you or, you know, give you a a goofy job to do. You're made. That's what they all strive for. And you see that same thing in the Christian mafia. Hmm? We all want to be made. And we want to be made by man and not by God. Your maker is your husband. He's the one you answer to. He's the one you look to for everything. You don't look to another for, for stuff. So John the Baptist received his ministry, received the anointing, same thing Jesus. So if you're called, that's a that's the reward, the end reward of your wilderness prayer <clears throat> and your wilderness life. John had a mandate also to baptize people unto repentance. Not the kind of stuff that's done now. You get baptized and you get you get uh, you get to be a part of the church. You join the church. Mm-hmm. But John stopped them at the door, and he said in verse eight, "Bring forth therefore fruits meet to repentance." In other words, how do I know that you're ready to get rid of your sins? And so people would ask, and he would tell them, tell people he'd read their their mail you know you you soldiers need to quit grumbling about your pay that's wrong God sets your pay don't grumble against God those of you who are tax collectors quit siphoning off the top and stealing the tax money in other words he showed people the sin in their lives and say you got to renounce that and say you're not going to do it anymore it's not like it is now where you get a free pass everything's okay to do you know we have sinner friendly you know services no altar call because of course there are too many people to call up there huh absolutely and so it's now it's not the same gospel it's not the same result and it's not preached the same way and it's not this so God has depend on people like you and like me to go out and meet people one on one and really talk to them about God Talk to them about the gospel. Share Christ with them. I was uh, talking to somebody and I, I told that person, I said, you know, you're one of those people that when you're on your game, God really uses you because you have an understanding of how what's important to God and how to get that. And because uh, I've observed them over the years, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying they're uh, um, 
a ball of fire for God, but there are those situations that need to be dealt with according to the word. And this person knows how to find the heart of God. And and so <clears throat> she was, I was telling her, she was saying that there was a person that she was praying for and this woman wanted her to pray for something and this woman kept having these negative comments about her husband and was wanting to divorce her husband and and so this person stopped her before they prayed she said you know what I'm not going to let you think that God's pleased with your attitude about your husband and we can just go to him and he's going to smooth that over and give you what you want now you've got to make up your mind how you feel I've already talked to you about what the word says about marriage and so forth and so on and so I was thinking to myself and I said you know it takes understanding God's heart to be able to let go of your blanket thing that you always like to pray with there you know the prescribed prayer and the prescribed thing and to zero in with that word of knowledge or that word of understanding that tells you this is a separation between this person and God and I've got to get rid of this thing or this person is going to have a wrong concept of the God we're trying to serve and so those things are very important and I think those things get embedded in your heart in the wilderness where you just can't stand a lot of this lax attitude and and you know uh, uh, uh permissiveness if you will and getting in the throne room by some permissive route and the church is full of it we've all got our, our moments we want to be big on television and it's that television mentality that's killing a lot of the good ministry uh, that could come forth some of these people you see them on there for years and you think where do they get the money to keep coming up on here with this kind of I mean you know they must be beating the doors down doing something but then I realize there are a lot of people that want to hear this rather than hearing the truth and so they'll pay for it because it's something that they support and they want to hear so John the Baptist was was uh, a leading people into that holy life that God prescribed and it was prophesied about John that he would be the one to go before the Messiah to prepare the way and when you're preparing the way for a holy God that way has to be holy it has to be prepared because your God is holy it's the same thing we do when we go into these hotels and pray and, and you know, uh, command the devil to lose his grip on that atmosphere, that kind of stuff. You're preparing the way of the Lord so that we don't have to fight devils and try to squeeze God in on top of that so God can do his work. And so he begins to, <clears throat> he always pointed toward Jesus. He always prepared the way of the Lord. He never brought attention to himself as the one always kept his focus so he got his message in the wilderness he got his focus in the wilderness he made his vows to the father in the wilderness and he kept his word until the day he was taken home uh, from this earth and so that's real important it's real important to stay consistent and to stay faithful and good wilderness experience and good wilderness training is very very important to do in the wilderness also uh, in verse 10 in in Matthew chapter 3 that's an important uh, aspect of what transpires with us in the wilderness experience with God 
he says the axe is laid to the root of the trees therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire and so in your wilderness anything that God can't use I don't care how proud you are of it and how much you paid to get it and how wonderful it's it looks in your garage or wherever it is in your life if it's not bringing forth good fruit it's cut down and cast into the fire sometimes it's attitudes and attitudes influence relationships and God is very much concerned that we have good relationships holy relationships fruitful relationships so anything that's sustaining that bad relationship or sustaining that questionable thing in your life God will cut it down one of the first prophecies I received when I uh, you know came out of my wilderness my first wilderness <laughs> been back many times I got my own dressing room there got my own little cot you know a little bottle of water little pictures sitting by a stand you know all that but uh, the first prophecy I got was that uh, God explained some things to me and he said he said I, I you have been through the fire to remove some things that I could not use putting it very politely in other words I got rid of your bad language your bad thinking your bad all your bads huh? they were cut down and chopped away which was a, a blessing for me to know that that God had been with me in that because being a new Christian you just don't know you know you, you there's some questions you have and it wasn't that I was questioning God but I lacked understanding in God's ways and so that prophecy gave me understanding of how God deals with us to prepare us for what's out there and so knowing that he dealt with some things gave me a little more confidence stepping into the next level that God had for me because I knew they'd been dealt with it's like well God what about didn't I tell you I, I took care of that well God what about so and so well didn't I tell you I took care well God what about well I took care of that and so we need to get understanding also of what is transpiring in the inner workings of us while we're in these places don't be afraid to ask God what he's doing because uh -huh. he's not going to volunteer it all the time but your heart can question it and he will let you know but also you can find out God I was hoping we'd get rid of you know number one <laughs> you know oh not this time okay still there waiting for you you know but it's also covered in love you know and if we stay in the will of God it's not exposed to anybody but if we step out you know the question is is that going to get us in trouble or not and and mercifully God's grace enables us to sustain us through those situations you know where you could be exposed or you could get you know get off the chain with people sometimes God puts you puts people in your life and you about had it up to here with them you know you, I mean you just don't know the next thing to do in order to keep that relationship going in, in whatever whatever but you know you find that you can go right back to God and say God you know I about had it with this and what do I do now and you know just forgive me and help me to to be able to you know that's all you need to do you, you need to talk to him uh, quit this running around trying to be somebody you're not and just be who God's created to you to be you need to do you 
in the Holy Ghost. You got me? Don't do you in the flesh, but do you in the Holy Ghost and be confident in who God called you to be. So he lays the axe to the root of things. And many of you know cutting off branches that is different than laying the axe to the root. There's some things that are rooted in iniquity in us and they have no place in your Christian walk. And so God makes the decision to lay <clears throat> the axe to the root of that. Then you'll find out that the, the, the parts of you that are rooted in God begin to bear more fruit. When that root comes out of there and it's entangled with, with some of the root of, of the fruit of what God's put in, it'll hinder the word. You know, some of the things that we have in there contending against the words that God's putting on the inside of us. If he doesn't root them out, they'll forever contend with that. And the only way he can do that is a good wilderness experience where he has the time, the opportunity, and the access to be able to do those things. Several of the things that we find provision in the wilderness, we get sustenance in the wilderness. We talked about that. Jesus' fasting was a picture of how we don't need our own sustenance. We don't need to go after things ourselves. But when we're in that wilderness place, then God brings a provision to us. He actually sustains us in the wilderness, oftentimes supernaturally. And oftentimes through our own prayer that has been magnified and enhanced and can produce so much more because of our obedience to that experience. So once, so, so the prayers that you pray in the wilderness have a great effect on what, on, on your provision there, uh, how you endure there. Uh, are you just hanging on by slender thread every day or have you found a place of contentment in that you know place where you thought you could never be content like Jonah sitting under the gourd sometimes God has to, to plant and, and raise up a gourd for you overnight to sit under so you don't have to feel like you're being so um, you know uh, so denied and so taken advantage of and all that you know your your mind can start um, <laughs> playing tricks on you in wilderness experiences the enemy wants to come and convince you that you haven't heard from God uh, God's uh, you know he's not pleased with you he's left you there it's he, you, something you did wrong something that you know so you don't want your mind to play tricks on you you want God's sustenance and that's why sometimes your prayers become more powerful in these experiences where you lack in certain areas you'll find that certain areas I said boy that that money came in fast for sister so-and-so or you know that kind of thing you'll see it evident almost in everything that you do and you touch and God does that to encourage us and to show us that he is doing something on the inside of us he is doing a real work on the inside of us and it's bringing forth the desired result and the desired fruit for instance uh, the, the example we just gave about Elijah being sustained by the widow when he got that word from the Lord he just knew what was coming you got me I'm going to have to dig deeper I'm going to have to trust God more if he tells me to do something I can't get creative on my own there's no freedom and liberty to do anything on my own I just got to stay with what God has for me and so out of that he got power you know every day they get up and there's just enough for one day 
and the next day it's filled up again it says the cruise of oil never failed and the meal never went dry that didn't say it didn't get low and the meal didn't get low but it kept replenishing itself over and over and over again and those are the things that you that make it worth it those are the things that make you think man this is this is okay I mean God's all right he told me that this was gonna work out for me and it's working so you can see it working even in the wilderness don't get the idea that you don't ever 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 get anything and never 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 it's all gonna be all bad if you'll appreciate it you'll get more and this is a problem people have in the wilderness. They crab, they complain, and they murmur, and it keeps them at minimal level of sustenance and not much empowerment of their own. Think about it. All those millions of, of Jews died in the wilderness because they, they kept themselves at the minimal level of sustenance because they never had a trust of God they always questioned why did God why did he do this to us and they were always dissatisfied that's why thanksgiving is always your biggest connection with God God I thank you that you know I have this little tree to sit under so the sun's not beating me to death out here and I thank you that I have what you have given me is more than sufficient Lord I don't need anything else but you right now you know I know you'll lead me into a place of abundance when it's time but it's not time for that now right now it's time for this and let's take care of this right now father provided the necessary sustenance while they were in the wilderness and he did it supernaturally and he let them know he was providing fresh how would you like fresh stuff every day every day they get up and go out in the field and pick what was necessary for the day and it was fresh every day if they tried to hoard it overnight it withered and stank and so it, and it just shows you God's instruction now if God had told him it was going to sustain it would have but it's about obeying his instruction and trusting him day by day by day which is is easier than trying to trust him for a lifetime all in one shot you got to have that daily contact with God you got to have that daily relationship with him you got to have that daily communication with him to sustain you for that day only and you go to sleep you lay you down and you get up in the morning and he sustains you through the night and he gets you and gives you a new mercy that morning to sustain you through the next day and you need to look forward to getting in touch with him every day if you can do that you'll have half most of the battles conquered by our attitudes toward it the Israelites were accustomed to complaining against their overseers you got me and that never changed see they complained against Pharaoh and his people so they just took that to the next place that they were they never stopped to think that we're with God now and maybe things will be different it's a thing that hinders most of us we transfer attitudes about authority onto the next authority figure I don't care who that authority is the thing people are so challenged now even in relationships nobody trusts anybody they keep moving from person to person to person nobody wants to be in charge of a shipwreck so that's why you don't see much leadership even in the family and in homes but God sustained them and they should have been thankful where they were not thankful they suffered and so we need to learn how to offer that worship and prayer of thanksgiving in the wilderness because that will keep us in a place where God can always help us and provide for us.
Jesus denied himself the common things that were needed to sustain life, like food. The devil wanted to give him fine clothing to wear and he refused that. Got me? He wanted to give him status and he refused that. So all of those things will haunt your thinking when you're in a wilderness. What do they think about me? What is everybody else? What do everybody in the church think about me? This kills people. Because number one, nobody in the church hardly is thinking about you. They got their own problems. The bigger the church is, the fewer people there are that are even thinking about you, period. Thank God if you're in that position in your mind, if you're in a place where people are thinking of you, they're thinking of ways that they can pray for you and help you and not put you down. Do you see what I'm saying? And so people will get that thing on them where they're tired. Well, I'm tired of being the, the people in the church that never have anything. Or I'm tired of not being able to, to give in the offering. No, you're not. Because really, if you wanted to give what you have, if you do give it, God will increase and give you more. So that's a lie right there. You got me? And so if you will humble yourself, instead of trying to be a big wheel around here, just humble yourself and do what you're capable of doing and let it grow from there. You'll see God. And so this is why some people get entangled in the wilderness. They get entangled in the land because they don't know how to see clearly what God's doing, appreciate what he's doing, and trust God to bring them out of it with a high hand. Like he brings everybody out of the wilderness. So uh, we talked about uh, being sustained by a widow was a type of reliance on God. when that was a wilderness for the prophet. Prophets did not have what we call nine to fives. You know, I mean, in New Testament, it, it relaxes some. But Old Testament was very rigid and very strict. They had to be uh, on call for God. And many of them were, state, were sustained by the, the um, uh, finances of other people. It was unusual that a prophet did not have abundance in finances unless there was a drought or something else going on. Uh, but oftentimes the offerings that were offered to the Lord through them uh, was ample to sustain them. There were times where they were restricted by God from receiving. As in the time when Gehazi uh, offered to give, uh, I mean Naaman offered to give to Elijah and, and Gehazi wound up taking it. And so we have to understand that there are times to receive and times not to receive that's always been true always I don't care if that book's got your name on it if that money isn't designated to go in your pocket you don't put it in there God made you he provided that for you he's got to have full control over that the other thing that's provide healings provided in the wilderness huh in fact sometimes you can stay healthier with less than you do with more Exodus 15:26 the standard or the statute is you must diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God do that which is right in his sight give ear to his commandments keep his rules so that mean you never break the rules no but when you break it you repent and you get under that blood covering again and then you walk in righteousness same thing it is with us now people have reported being healed while fasting and praying Oh, as in fact, sometimes God will demand that in order for them to be healed. I remember having, back in the day, years ago, I haven't had any in such a long time, bladder infections. And I would get on a bread and water fast and in 24 hours that thing was gone. 
and so God will do that and he does the same now if I ever have that now he'll do it I'm like I said it's it's not been in such a long time but that was one of the things that he showed me was a key to receiving healing and I stayed in the word all day long you got me stayed in the word I stayed around God's people I made sure I was connected to him in that way so we diligently hearken not in a lax way and not in a uh, you know a, a kind of a in you know casual way you have to be diligent about these pursue it keep after it that's what diligence is you pursue and you keep after certain certain things now the reward of wilderness prayer is you, you get to the next level in God whatever that level is for you there are levels of power that he has prepared for us and these are necessary once the axe is laid to the root of the tree of the things that he can't use because they're tied to iniquity and they don't increase the fruits of your righteousness at, at all then God will will take those things and, and put them put them there for you to look at and say okay God take it I don't want that anymore if it's not for me you know let's get rid of it so there are levels of power he's prepared for us and we call it the anointing but there's also empowerment in our lives to overcome personally in our decision making so and then in that way he increases our character in his character we're invested more in him for instance if if nothing else the fruit of patience has developed some in you and not being able to have all the freedom that you want it to have especially if you don't grumble about it as you see it as a precious thing that God would spend this time with you God you've called me to work for you and that's a wonderful thing to have in my life if you can be appreciative of the things that God has has prepared and is doing and preparing you for then you can take on everything that he wants to put in you God loves faithful people faith filled faithful and people who live justified people who live by faith he loves that and if he can increase your faithfulness in other words your desire and your ability and your commitment to walk by faith that's one of the things that happens in the wilderness because if you don't have any distractions to pull you off into things that are more tempting your faith is sustaining you even walking through there and so many times your faithfulness grows out of that wilderness experience and sometimes that initial wilderness experience leaves such an impression in your spirit it becomes kind of an anchor that you don't veer far away from from that mooring in God you just don't want to go there and so then you're anchored in him and you belong to him and when Jesus left the wilderness in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 it says Jesus returned in the power of the spirit unto Galilee and there went out a fame of him through the region round about and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all so Jesus received his message he received his commission he received his anointing and he received his sending he was sent immediately to do the will of the father do the work of the ministry so he received all of those things out of the wilderness experience there are levels of power anointing and authority that God has prepared for us and they're given to us in the wilderness
For instance, at the end of my, the first first my first encounter with God in him sharing with me what he wanted me to do I had no doubt that I had authority over all the works of darkness it just came to me a gift you know this is something not something you can work up and you can't meditate enough to make it real it's something that's imparted to you and you have to receive it but if from that day forward I wasn't as scared of any devils and I had been very frightened it was unusual for me and so I wasn't afraid of anything in the supernatural that would try and come against me and it just was there and so I was able then to do the work well how are you going to pray and, and move in the spirit if you're scared of everything or if you got stuff attached to you so God had to sever me totally from fear and make me fearless to many things not just the supernatural power but he made me fearless to the words of man criticizing and tearing down and pulling down to the degree that I don't it doesn't bother me you know and I'd say things like you know I don't care and I really really don't because I have committed these things to God as a faithful creator and if I'm out of line I have enough content you know confidence in God that he will tell me I'll tell God you know God if, if this is right and I'm being wrong here just help me to see where I'm you know and I'll do the right thing you know you got to be willing to do the right thing it's not like I'm I'm immovable you know like I can't be wrong but you know people see it that way carnality always sees it that way because I've had people say you think you can't be wrong no you think I can't be wrong you understand what I'm saying that came from you then come from me I never told you I can't be wrong but what I know I know because I know it in God I'm not knowing it from any I'm not trying to take credit for knowing anything but what I know in God I know in God you should be the same way about what you know in God but make sure you know it in God you're not trying to know it in you because you can be horribly wrong huh? and so we have to be confident in these things when you come out of the wilderness there's a different confidence in you that cannot be shaken I remember a friend of mine had a, a ministry she would minister to pregnant young women and uh, there was a girl that had come to her a couple times she was counseling her and she had considered to put off having an abortion and was considering keeping her child but she said that her boyfriend um, was adamant about her having the abortion and she said for some reason I just don't think it's right I think it's the wrong thing to do and uh, this friend of mine prayed with her and and she said well I'm just gonna tell him I've decided to keep the baby and whatever happens happens you know and so forth and and so when she went back uh, she told him she had decided to keep the baby and then in the meantime my friend had prayed with her letter to the Lord she renounced her I think she was a Muslim or something I think I said that and she'd renounced all that and it wasn't real anyway see when people have something that's fake it's easy to get them to renounce it just like us when we're fake it's easy to renounce if you're in sin it's easy to renounce sin because it's fake and it's wrong and it's not for you and so she renounced that and she told the boyfriend and he said he looked at her and he said something's happened to you he said because you're not scared of me anymore he said and I know that I've told you to do things in the past and you did them. he said what happened to you and he said whatever you have I want it to you got me you went a whole house like this folks 
just that confidence in God and that desire to stand for something instead of bowing to every wind and wave and ugly demon and threat that the devil puts on you you resist that kind of stuff and it drives the devil nuts because he can't figure out how to get next to you huh? he can't figure out how to tear you down he can't figure out how to keep you from going forward and more than anything he wants to stop you from operating in that anointing that's what he's after so if he can get you doubtful about well God you know I, I shouldn't say this to people and I shouldn't say that and I shouldn't do this and if he can get you over there you get over there you know you'll lose everything over there because God puts his confidence in you as part of righteousness the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion they're not afraid of anything or ashamed of anything or trying to hide anything you know it's out there if it's wrong I'll straighten it out with God and I'll apologize to you but let us not labor the point we're not here to find flaws in each other we're here to lift up Jesus and encourage one another and help one another get because if if I fail you fail if I've got weakness it's going to affect you at some point so we're not glorying in each other's weaknesses per se and pulling each other down for it but we're helping one another to get to where God wants us to be and that's the point of the wilderness the point of the wilderness is to help us to get to the place where God wants us to be and God accomplishes all of this if we will let him the work that he does in us is so tremendous it it can never be duplicated by anything we can do on our own you can forget it you can have 55 of the best of his ministers lay hands on you and if their names aren't on your miracle and aren't all your on your sending it'll never fit it'll never do anything it won't help you you won't get nothing off of those people you might as well save your plane ticket stay at home and do what you were doing before but if you will allow God to orchestrate and be in charge of this thing and seek to have that time with him seek to have that experience with him seek to know him in in the ways that that really benefit those drawings away where there's nothing else hindering nothing standing in the way nothing more important you're not short on time you got all the time in the world if we'll allow God to have that freedom in our lives the miraculous is the result of that see the Jesus did miracles when he came out of that experience John the Baptist did amazing things when he came out of there he was leading people he just ushered people into the presence of the Lord. He had a hand. All of those multitudes of people that followed Jesus. Part of that was John the Baptist's fruit. Because he had preached and set people up for that. That's why that method works so well now. You know when you see people men of God who are humble enough to pray f to send another man or woman of God ahead and and do the work and do the labor you get such tremendous results with that method because it worked back then and it'll work now. And so these things are very important folks for us to to focus and just dwell on that. God if I could spend that time with you. It, it, that you know the fact that I can't have certain things right now. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because you can work it out for my good. Take what I lack God as an offering. Take it as a, a, a sacrifice. I've done that many times. You know when I, I would 
get rejected or, or you know, feel depressed about what people were doing or people were saying. I say, God, take this as an offering, as a sacrifice. My, my withdrawal from, from people because I don't like what they're saying or I don't like what they're doing or whatever that. And heal me while I'm here. You understand what I'm saying? We need to take these things and do what God wants us to do. Let him process these hurts, these wounds, these shortcomings, these disappointments, these failures. Offer them up to him as a sacrifice. You can do that. Many times if you don't have the clothes you want. God, I'm, this is a sacrifice. But I'm going to go on with you. I'm not going to try to figure out how this is going to happen. I'm going to let my request stay out there. If you can bless me with it, bless me with it. But I'm going to sacrifice this to you. Just because I don't have it. I would like to have it. And I'm not going to try my own methods for trying to do anything. God will work wonders. He does wonderful things in our lack, folks. And we don't hear much about it because people don't want to talk about it. But the things that Jesus set aside for our behalf we're setting aside those things sometimes for the behalf of others and for the sake of the ministries called us to for the sake of the anointing he'll bring us into all of those things he's prepared for us because he knows the best way but that wilderness prayer life folks is something is it 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 can't be matched as far as the results it's going to bring you so never despise how you start out never despise lack never despise you know, i've heard people say well I got tired of eating hamburger and I said, God, I'm longing for the day when I can just have a steak. You know what the Lord told me? He said, they could have had a steak all along. He said, I said, if you want anything, ask me for it. He said, I didn't say you had to save up and get on easy street before you could have a good life. He said, her joy was in me all along and she never knew it. You know, if he can bring honey out of a rock and make a water away in the wilderness and bring water out of a rock, what do you think? You don't think you can get a cow to drop dead in front of your house? Jeez. I mean, it's just that simple if you think about how things come to you. You know, I've had situations where I ran out of food, room in my freezer for food. You know, well, I keep ministry food there too, and I'm not a hoarder. But, but, and I'll call somebody. I said, you know, I, can you keep this for me? And then they'll call me a couple months later. Do you still need this? Wait, do you got room? I said, you better go ahead and eat that because I don't have room for it. You know, never had room for it. Probably should have just given it to them then. But, you know, I said, well, let hold on to it for right now. And never thought about it again. Well, it wasn't mine. It should have been sown anyway. But eventually it was sown. But that's how prayers are answered. How does somebody else's excess you get a blessing. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to, you know, be resentful of where God has you. Then And then when you get something, you go crazy. It takes you over because you're so given over to that lust of that thing. You never got it purified in the wilderness. You know, so we have to respect these things, folks. God has a plan for us. He has a plan for everything that we experience. And it's always good. Just keep that in mind. It's always good. Praise God. Amen. Father, we thank you for the fact that we can experience good things in the wilderness. It's all good because you're in it. You're the author of it. It's never too hard for us or too tough for us. We won't murmur. We won't complain. But we'll rejoice in that we're spending time with the Savior. We're spending time with the Creator. That we've finally gotten your attention and you're focused in on us in a good way. 
So we thank you for these opportunities to be ministered unto you by your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord.